you've got a Bible, um, turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Thank you, Marjorie. Appreciate you. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to study your word this morning. And God, as we open your word, I pray that you would enlighten us, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us, Father, to do the things that we need to do as believers. Help us, Father, to see the truth of your word. We love you. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen. I just want to start because this is um, this text that I'm about to be in is a text that I often pray for my family. It's a text that I often will use in prayer for my loved ones. And so I just want to read this. We're going to start in verse 14. So if you've got your Bible, look at uh, Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with all power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Um, The family has been initiated by God. If you look at the beginning of creation, God sets up the family. Amen. He, He puts the family in place. This is why there's been such an assault on the family in a fallen world. Genesis chapter 2, we see the family instituted. One man, one woman put together by God in the state of matrimony. And the end of it says the man will leave his family and cling to his wife. That's what the text says. God institutes this thing. And this is the reason there has been such an assault on the family in Genesis chapter 3. That assault begins. We saw that earlier in the text, earlier part of this month, where we looked at how the enemy did things to make us Question God's word, question God's goodness. And so we start to see these things unfold in the text. And there's just this massive assault on the family. And this is why um, the marriage, the definition of marriage has been in the crosshairs. This is because God put it all together. And what God put together, Satan hates. What God instituted, Satan hates. So because God has put this thing called the family in place, this is why we should be willing to go to battle for our 
families. And this is one of those prayers that I pray from the text directly because I believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's just better to pray God's word. Amen. I just believe it's better to pray what God has already said rather than just try to make up stuff on my own. I'm not saying you can't, but like I said, um, praying God's word is just sometimes better. And so um, one of the places I, I, I often, like I said, go and look is this, this text, Ephesians chapter 3. And you look at this first thing you see in the text in verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father. And if you look at the, the, the idea in the text, it's talking about the mysteries of the gospel being revealed. And so the gospel has been revealed in the first half of chapter 3. And we see where, where the Lord Jesus Christ has been presented. The gospel has been presented in the earlier parts of chapter 3. And, and it says, well, verse 1 of 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on the behalf of the Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God, of God's grace, that was given to me for you. So he's talking about the idea of God's grace being presented and given to you. And so because of that reason, here's what I am to do. I come before the Father. I kneel before the Father. So for this reason of spiritual strength and, and surpassing knowledge of who God is, I get on my knees. I come before this, this holy triune God who's not just God. He is also my Father. And I come before him in humility on my knees and I bow before the father. And, and this is during these moments, I pray for my family to have the following things take place. Starting in, and, and he, he mentions in every family that's mentioned in heaven and on earth in verse 15. And then in verse 16, here's what he prays for specifically. I, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So this is the prayer that's prayed is that this is a request to God that out of his abundance, out of his glorious riches, out of the abundance of his grace, that he would provide strength and power to these families through his spirit. And then there, there would be a renewal of the inner being in your innermost being. So this is to say that God would do an inner working in your spirit to nourish you in such a way that you're not just only strengthened, but you're fully sustained and fully satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the prayer for the family, that, that you would be fully sustained, that you would be fully satisfied, that you would be set apart, that you would be sanctified by the renewal of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I think of Psalms chapter 23, verses 1, and, 1 through 3. It says, the Lord is my, we all know this one by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. For this reason, what reason? For this reason, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my God. The Lord is my Savior. He has come in and He's done some incredible things in my heart and my life. And so for this reason, because Jesus is who He says He is, for this reason, I will not want. And then on, on top of that, look, my, my soul is 
restore because of his abundance. We're talking about out of his abundant riches, out of his abundant grace. He lavishes this stuff on his on the families of God. And so out of his abundance and out of his grace, I'm fully renewed. I'm fully made. I'm completely made whole. And I'm not, I'm not trying to do something to make me a better or more fulfilled human being. Rather, I'm trusting in the finished work of Christ. Here's what a lot of people do. They'll, they'll say, man, I need to get my life straight and I need to get myself back in church. Which, man, I'm glad you're here. But just coming to the building doesn't make you right with God. It doesn't fix you. We don't, we're not a do-better pill. Jesus is not a do-better pill. Jesus is a life resurrector. He is a transformer of life. He changes a dead man and brings him back to life. And so what I'm not trying to do is just to make myself a better me. So I'll never be the pastor who says, hey, you just need to be a better version of you. No, you need to die to yourself and you need to come alive to Christ. Amen? That's, that's what we're called to do. And so I, I love that, that instead of just doing something, we're trusting. There's a, that old song, Trust and Obey. It didn't say do something and then maybe something will happen. It says trust and obey. There's two different things that take place. So you have to trust in who Jesus is and his finished work on the cross and then be obedient to what God's called you to do. Trust and obey. I'm not trying to get you to do something to make yourself a better or more fulfilled human being. I'm asking you this morning to trust in the finished work of Christ on Calvary's cross. And not your failed attempts. Steve Lawson had a great statement on Christ's finished work. He says, With arms outstretched on the cross, Jesus took holy God in one hand and sinful man in the other and brought the two together. That's that's fantastic. Like, you couldn't have got there on your own. I couldn't have got there on my own. But Jesus, being fully God and fully man, has God in one hand, man in the other, and brings them together. And guess what? He's our mediator. We've been talking about that for a while in Sunday school as well. That Christ is our mediator. That Christ comes in at just the right moment and dies for the ungodly and says, they're mine and mediates for us. Wow. And when I'm trusting in the finished work of Christ and praying for this to be accomplished in my family... And in myself, verse 17 comes about as a result. So that Christ, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. In the love of who? The love of Christ. Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, right? Right? Would not perish. So you're rooted and grounded in love, in verse 18, And may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. When we trust and believe in the finished work of Christ, we stop trying to accomplish things that don't matter and we start trusting in the only thing that does matter. Amen? We start to get rooted and grounded. We dwell in the midst of where we're supposed to be. That Christ's knowledge and information and transformative power indwells us in such a way that through faith, we become a different human being. We're not the same as we were. That's the, that's the symbol of baptism. Death 
to the old self and being raised to newness of life. That's the, that's the picture of baptism. We, we, can, we can put every ounce of belief in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You and I can put every, we can go to, as they used to say, you can put all your, bas- all your eggs in one, that basket. Because that's the, that's the only basket that's going to matter. I can promise you, in 10,000 years, we're not going to be saying, hey, what kind of religious part, or what kind of, what kind of political party were you a part of? Were you a Southern Baptist, or were you a Methodist? Were you a, what were you? Were you a Presbyterian? I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ-loving Christian, amen? That, that's what I am. And as I've said, for the three years I've been here, if you've got any Baptist doctrine, you need to throw it out the window, and you need to replace it with Bible doctrine, Amen? That, that's what you need. We, we become rooted and grounded in the love of God for us. We become rooted and grounded in the nature and character of who Jesus actually is. And when you become rooted and grounded in who Jesus actually is, it, like the, the, the God of the universe that's found in the sacred pages of the text, the result becomes what happens in verse 18. That you may... Have strength to comprehend with all the saints what the breadth and length and height and depth. Oh, all those things. You think of all the things that are happening in the text there. That's everything. It's every measurable way that you can see the, the power of who God is. It makes me think of Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. It's a two-part reminder in Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. And chapter 11 gives us this amazing example of all the saints i mean there's so many different saints that are that are laid out in hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 11 it's the heroes hall of fame hebrews chapter 11 and there's the example after example after example of men and women who faithfully loved and followed jesus even when it was hard even when it was difficult and because of that we see in chapter 12 that because of this there's a great cloud of witnesses that we have to encourage us to understand and to know that we can do the exact same thing. Because here's the thing. Anybody in the room ever have moments where you struggle and you just... Have you ever struggled in your faith, anybody? You had moments where you're like, man, it's tough. It's difficult. Man, guess what? We got example after example after example of men and women in the text where it was difficult. It was hard. Talk, talk to John on the Isle of Patmos. Talk to Paul as he's in prison. Talk to John the Baptist who got beheaded because of a stripper. Like, think about that. Head on a plate. Like, that's, that's mind-boggling difficult. That's, that's a difficult season. But guess what? At the end of this, we see that these men and women get to be at the, the, around the throne room of Christ... And they get to see Jesus, and there's this great, immense cloud. When you see clouds, you just think of, like, it's microscopic water molecules up by the millions. That's the idea is that there's a cloud of human beings. There's a ton of people who have gone on before us, who have stood the test of time, faithfully loving Jesus as they should. And as a result of that, we now have the courage to understand and to know that we can do the exact same thing. We, can, we have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints how big our God is, how mighty our God is, how majestic our God is. Amen? 
And so we have this power and this ability to look at Jesus as the author and the perfecter of our faith and of our lives. We can understand that it's Jesus who gets all of the glory. And as a result of that, he lays out all everything good for those who love him. Romans chapter 8. Amen. Romans chapter 8 says that all things work together for good. That means even the hard, crummy stuff, it's eventually going to work to the good of those who love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth. And he, as a result of it, he gets all the glory. And that he's more than enough. And he alone, Jesus alone, is more than enough to take care of where you are today in your circumstances. Amen? And then in verse 18, the, the second half, and in, in 19, we see all these amazing things take place. He says that the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Like I said, it reminds me of Romans chapter 8 where in Romans chapter 8, that last half of Romans 8 where Paul writes and he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. If you're in Christ, you cannot be separated from the love of Jesus. And listen, he gives examples. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger of the sword? Like that's everything. That's everything that we go through as human beings. All the things that we struggle with. Tribulations, distress. Anybody ever been through some tribulation and some distress in your life? Guess what? That isn't going to keep you from Jesus. That isn't going to keep you from Jesus. Anybody been persecuted for your faith? That isn't keeping you from Jesus. Anybody been hungry because of that? Guess what? That isn't keeping you from Jesus. Anybody? Listen, I've never been naked for, because of... That's never happened. But that's, that's, that does happen in the text. They crucify... When we see crucifixions... We think of crucifixions as this nice little neat thing where they wear a little loincloth. It was the most obje- just horrific death you could think of. They stripped you completely, hung you on a cross, and nailed you up there. Like this is what Christ, this is for Christ's sake. Listen, all these things happen. Verse 36, as it's written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. Now, in verse 37, it says, no. Understand this. You, all, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because here's the thing. Humanity might be able to take your life, but they can't take your soul. It's Christ who is the guard of your life and your soul. Scripture says, don't fear men that can take your life. Rather, fear him who can take your life and your spirit. Because here's the thing, if you're in Christ, this is the beautiful thing about Romans chapter 8, is that Christ shows us all through the text here, is that doesn't matter, it does not matter. We're co- we are more than conquerors, because at the end of the day you get Jesus and he's more than enough. Verse 38 gives us a more um, parallel visions of what um, is in Ephesians says, for I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have 
We, we have a connection between these two texts. The breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth of God's love for us. And then in Romans chapter 8, this, this idea that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things to come, nor things present, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, or anything of all, in all of creation will be able to separate us from, the, from, from God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What these verses are telling you and I is that nothing in the universe can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus for you. And so he, he can do so much more in your life. And so this is the idea of praying for your family is getting this idea, wrapping this idea around your, in your mind and in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is the sovereign king of the universe and you can bring your family before him in prayer. I believe, as your pastor, that prayer changes things. Anybody else? Got a couple in the room? I believe that prayer changes things. Because I've been prayed for, my life's been transformed. How many of you guys have prayed for someone and their life has been transformed? I have. I'll never forget my beautiful wife down here. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for her brother pleaded with the Lord to do a work in her brother's life. For, for years, she married me, and, she, and her brother pulled her aside at the wedding and said, hey, and she'll, she'll testify this, said, listen, I know you're, you're marrying this pastor's son. Don't think I'm going to get in church. It ain't happening. I mean, she prayed that God would do a work. God would do a work. God would do a work. And then one night we're coming home from vacation Bible school. She told me this later that night that she was she just she was in the car and she was just quiet. She didn't she was oddly just she's normally quiet, but she was oddly quiet that night. And she got a phone call. And immediately in the middle of her phone call, she just starts going, <laughs> like just starts crying. I'm like, oh my gosh, something because normally when you get a phone call and people start crying. Tears running down their face. It's usually bad news. Amen? That's usually a bad sign when you go. And she goes, are you kidding me? And I was like, uh, baby, what's wrong? And she's just, are you kidding me? And that's all she can say over and over and over again. And she finally hung up. I was like, baby, what is wrong? And she goes, Matt just got saved. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the worst case scenario is going through my brain. But oh, guess what? And she told me, I've just been in vacation, vacation Bible school, struggling. I just felt like God wasn't answering my prayers. And I just felt like God wasn't hearing me. And I just felt unseen. Anybody in the room ever felt unseen? That was her that night. And God just, in a, just a sweet, because God loves his kids. Amen. God loves his kids. And so this sweet moment, her brother gets saved. We get to see him baptized. And man, I'm telling you, now he's, he's, a, he's a deacon in his church. He's involved in his church with his wife and his kids. Man, prayer changes things. Amen? I believe that. And so this is what we should be doing is we should be coming before the God of the universe just like in this text in Ephesians chapter 3 and bow our knees before him who from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, and according to the riches of his glory, may grant... And I, this is what I do, is I, I tend to... I put my people's names in here when I pray. That he may grant... 
Jamie, Hannah, Gabe, Austin, Noah. To be able to be strengthened with power through His Spirit that Jamie, Hannah, Gabe, Austin, Noah would be, in, be strengthened in their inner being. Oh, see how that personalizes it? I know maybe, maybe oh, I don't want to do that, Caleb. Well, don't do that. I don't care, but that's just how I do it. As I'm praying this prayer, I pray for my human beings that are in my crew. That's who I pray for. And this is the thing is, when you pray, I need you to understand something. The text tells us that he can do much more in your life than you can even begin to comprehend or understand. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. I know we sing the song, Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. But man, do we believe it? Do we believe it? Because Jesus actually does love us. Look at this, verse 20. Now to him, talking about Jesus, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or even think about. You say, Caleb, I thought about a lot. Guess what? God's further out than you. God's, God knows everything about you. He knows everything that you need. He knows that you haven't even prayed. Listen, you're getting ready to pray later today. Guess what? He knows what you're going to pray for. So why do I pray? Because we're agreeing with God. Prayer is coming into an agreement with who God is and what he wants for our lives. That's prayer. Now, to him who's able to do far more abundantly. Do you believe it? That God can actually do more than you can even think about. Oh, I do. According to the power that is, in work, that is at work inside of us. The power of the gospel is at work inside of you and is literally day by day transforming you from one degree of glory to another. Now, verse 21, to him. Now, as a result of this, look, look what happens. As a result of all of this, the Lord Jesus Christ gets glory when you're praying for your family. How do I know? Because the text tells us that. Verse 21. To him, Jesus, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. What power is is it that's at work in us? It's God's sovereign power in your life working inside all the way out. He's taking what's happening on the inside and it's coming out. This is, the, this is the reason I don't believe in behavior modification will actually really transform. I'm not going to cuss today. Okay. I'm not going to get angry today. We just, I'm going to white knuckle it. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be a better man. No, you need to be a transformed man. You don't need to be a better man. You need to be a transformed man or woman. And that only comes from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the power that's at work inside of us is God's sovereign power that is working from the inside out. This is the kind of stuff that we should be praying for, for our families and for our loved ones. That we should be praying and asking God to do a work on the inside of our human beings that, we are, that we've been entrusted with. This is where you just say, God, I, listen. I know your word says that you're not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. God, I pray that you would do a work and put the person's name out. Just pray that you'd be with Uncle Chuck. I don't know if there's an Uncle Chuck that you know, but maybe. I don't know. I'm just making up names here. 
that you would just do a work, God, that you'd put kindling around their heart and you ignite that kindling and they, they would become in fuego for you. Right? That'd be awesome. And guess what? You know why you love the Lord Jesus? Because there probably was a grandma who was praying for you. Any grandmas ever prayed for their kids? Any moms ever been praying for their kids? Any dads been praying for their Listen. I had a mom and a dad who ferociously prayed for my salvation. I had a mom and dad who ferociously prayed for my ministry. And guess what? I want to be a dad who does the same thing for my kids. And I know their mom is a mom who wants to do the same exact thing. Are you praying? Listen, you've got the tools. Listen, you've been given the equipment to do what you're supposed to do for God's glory for your family. I'm telling you, the family is under assault. And as the family goes, so goes the nation. And we were just talking about this in Sunday school. The family is being ripped apart bit by bit because that's what the enemy wants to do. He started in Genesis chapter 3 and he hasn't let up. But I'm telling you, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10... You and I have the weapons of warfare to be able to take this guy out. The text says that we can destroy strongholds. You say, well, Satan's had a stronghold in my family for a long time. Well, it's time to be a curse breaker. Amen? It's time to be a curse breaker in your family. You say, oh, Caleb, I'm too old. Hogwash. Have you ever seen, I mean... Methuselah was 969. I know, Joe, sometimes people look at folks around us and think maybe that we were there with Methuselah, but that's not true. Just saying. Anybody felt like 969? Emmy <laughs> yep. woke up with a different pain this morning than you had. Don't look at me. Don't. First amen my wife's given me in quite a while. Is that what was I your pain this morning? Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, we serve an amazing God. I mean, we serve a triumphant, triune, sovereign, holy king. And guess what? We're his kids. We get to be his kids. You say, oh, Caleb, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm his kid. You can be. He's in the adoption business. Read Ephesians chapter 1. How do I get there? Repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you and trust that Jesus will save you. And guess what? He will. Can I get an amen from somebody that's saved in the room? All right. Woo, come on now. That's good stuff. Now, this morning.